it is time to break down the top sports headlines of the week. So much going on as we enter the month of November. Ryan, we're going to break it all down here in just a few moments. And these headlines that people are about to see here in just a moment really have just developed within the last several hours. Yeah, the past really 24 hours have been some of the most busiest we've seen in the past year in sports. In terms of the news value of some of these stories, we're not... Yes, we did have a championship winner, the Atlanta Braves, which we'll talk about, but uh, a couple massive stories that we need to get to that have really rocked the sports world. Yeah, and in case this is the first time you've seen us do our midweek sports update here in Local News Live, we're counting them down from 5 to 1 of these biggest sports headlines of the week. So let's go ahead and get started without further ado. Number 5 on our countdown, the NASCAR championship race coming up on Sunday from Phoenix International Raceway, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. will all be racing for the title on Sunday, and it's pretty simple, folks. The highest finisher in the race between these four will be crowned the champion of the NASCAR Cup Series. The odds-on favorite is Kyle Larson. He's got nine wins on the season. He was the regular season champion. Chase Elliott's defending his title from a season ago where he did it right there at Phoenix last year. Meanwhile, Denny Hamlin, who has more career wins than any of the other four drivers, is still seeking his first career championship. And then there's Martin Truex Jr., who's won four races this year, has had a very solid 2021 season, and he's a prior champion as well, going for his second title on Sunday. And you look at this, it's a battle of Hendrick Motorsports versus Joe Gibbs Racing. Same Joe Gibbs, the football coach we're talking about, folks. Two of his drivers being the likes of Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin versus Rick Hendrick drivers of Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Larson, the heavy favorite this weekend, and what a story. Most folks know about what occurred last year when Larson lost his ride after saying a racial slur, and he had recovered to bounce back this year to go to Hendrick Motorsports and win nine races, the most of any driver this year. Quite the story for him, and he's learned from it. He's worked with the likes of Willie T. Ribs and Bubba Wallace to really rebuild his reputation. He certainly learned from it. Um, you don't have to be a racing fan to love a good comeback story, Ryan. If uh, Kyle Larson gets it done on Sunday, which many people expect, I think this would uh, certainly speak a lot, and it would be great to see if, if he can pull it off. He'll be the favorite, but he'll have some challengers for sure. And the challengers add to it. You never want to go into a race thinking, okay, this one guy is by far and away the favorite to win. We may have one or two. We have four guys that could pull this off, and that will add to it. Uh, it's always great when you get to the end of the season and we can have something like this, and it looks like we will for NASCAR this weekend. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, Going to get started about 3 o'clock Eastern time for Phoenix International Raceway with Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin all going for that title in the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's move on to number four in our countdown, and that involves the Las Vegas Raiders mm. as it has been an interesting season for them, to say the least, as... They departed from their head coach, John Gruden, just a few weeks ago after the investigation into the Washington football team revealed some controversial emails that Gruden had exchanged with the uh, Washington football team, with, uh, with their organization, before he took the Raiders' job. And now, over the weekend, we hear from Henry Ruggs, former first-round wide receiver, gets arrested for a DUI as he was driving at 156 miles an hour. He was 
double the legal limit. And on top of that, he killed a female along with her dog in the accident as well. The Raiders go ahead and release him. This was a guy that they had put a lot of stock in. He was their future at the wide receiver position. He had played very well through the first year and a half of his career, and now he has done in Vegas. This is a team, Ryan, that is leading their division, that has the second-best record in the AFC right now. And this is another blow to this team that is uh, going through a lot, it seems, right now. And I, this is something you don't hear about. You don't hear about athletes getting in accidents like this, especially during the regular season. Uh, the speed at which he was going, 156 miles per hour, dropping down to 127 at the moment of contact, but simply because it seems like he may have slammed on his brakes at the last second. Uh, killing somebody, he was injured, his per person in the vehicle with him was injured. You don't hear about this kind of thing to this degree. You will hear about accidents involving athletes. Maybe they go off the side of the road, hit a pole. We've heard some of those before. Rarely is it this serious and this rocks the sports world it's not a, a a no name nfl player this as you mentioned it was a top 15 pick last season he was having an off year but still a lot of potential for the raiders this is a big name nfl player not a star but an up-and-coming star and a guy who clearly made a massive mistake and that's been said by the raiders franchise he's been released by the team i'm sure he would say the same thing and now he must uh wait and see what the the final punishment is it's an incredibly serious situation, the NFL, and we wait and see what happens going forward, but absolutely deserving of the headlines considering the, the seriousness of what happened and then the caliber of player that is involved in this situation. Yeah, that is uh, for certain. And now you, you look at Henry Ruggs and you have to ask about his future and you hope that he learns from this, that this thing doesn't happen again. It's inexcusable. You never should get a DUI, but especially with the amount of money these guys are paid, with the access that they have to not need a vehicle in these situations under any circumstance. The NFL has a program with Uber that allows guys to get a free ride home yeah. whenever they need to avoid this exact type of thing from happening. It's simply inexcusable, and it's so sad. I feel for those involved for this uh, young female and, and the dog and, and for their families that have to go through this, this was a totally avoidable situation. Well, he may not get another chance. I mean, he, he could. he's looking up to potentially double digits in terms of the amount of years he could spend in prison. Of course, uh, we're not anywhere near that point yet where he faces his final sentencing, but it looks like he will probably face some prison time. We don't know what happens after that. This could be it for Ruggs. So this could be career altering for him, career ending for him, but more significantly, it was life ending for somebody else, and that's where we start in terms of analyzing the situation and how tragic it actually is. How about the Raiders here? We mentioned John Gruden's gone. Now Henry Ruggs is gone. I know they're in second place in the AFC and they're leading their division, but eventually this has all got to catch up with this team, right? I can't imagine the Raiders making the postseason or at least having an impact of sorts where their presence is felt in the playoffs. I think this team eventually, all this stuff's got to catch up to them, yeah. right? Well, what a year for them. I mean, you would think so. The AFC is not as good as we expect it to be. They've got a couple easy wins against NFC teams this year. You would think it's not a team that's loaded with star power. They're pretty good. They're not great. You would think at the end of the year this would catch up to them, and the, the odds are against them in making the postseason. They've got this far. Second-best record in the AFC. 
So credit to Derek Carr, their quarterback, who's come under a lot of pressure for the way he handles getting hit hard in games, the way he handles himself off the field. There's questions about his leadership. I mean, it's, when you have a coach that is gone halfway through the year, next guy up is probably your quarterback in terms of leadership, and Carr is... At least it appears in terms of their win and losses has worked them through some serious issues. And things are about to get a lot tougher for the Raiders on sure. the field. They'll take on the Giants this Sunday, but after that they'll host the Kansas City Chiefs, followed by the Cincinnati Bengals, and then the Dallas Cowboys on the road is uh, how they'll end the month of November. So something to keep an eye on there for the Raiders going forward, how they move on from this on top of the John Gruden situation as well. Let's go ahead and get to number three on our list. The first college football playoff rankings were released on Tuesday. Georgia, no surprise, the number one team in the land. But after that, that's when things got really interesting. Mm. Alabama, who's already lost a game this year, they lost in conference to a two-loss Texas A&M team on the road, still finds themselves at number two in the college football playoff rankings. This is a team, Ryan, that... More than likely, if Alabama had not lost a game, had not lost that matchup to Texas A&M, would probably have the yeah. same exact ranking that they're at right now. Why even play the games at this point? Well, nonetheless, yeah. Alabama's there. Michigan State's at number three, and Oregon's at number four. Then, after that, you see Ohio State at five, Cincinnati at number six, Michigan at eight, Oklahoma at nine, Wake Forest or uh, Oklahoma at 8, Wake Forest at 9, Notre Dame rounds out your top 10. I was shocked that this was the first playoff rankings, and I think for most folks, if you're looking for outrage, it's going to be the fact that Alabama is that high and Cincinnati is not in that top four when they've done everything that's been asked of them at this point. Well, the question now becomes, what does Cincinnati have to do to make the top four? What does any non-Power 5 school have to do to get into the football playoff? Because I don't know if you can. Cincinnati has been undefeated not just this season, but last regular season. They've beaten some good teams. They're still undefeated, and you have teams with losses in front of them. I don't know what the answer is. If you're a fan of a non-Power 5 school, a fan of the Cincinnati Bearcats, I don't know what you have to do to get in outside of hoping one of these, maybe two or three of these top-tier teams lose two games, and maybe you get in then. I feel for them because the Bearcats have earned this, and it's a bummer. They're not even the top five. They're ranked six right now. Right, and you look at what they've done this year, beating Notre Dame on the road, beat Indiana on the road. That win against Notre Dame, you could argue, is as good of a win that anyone in the country has sure. in college football, in the non-conference. The only one that I would compare it to is Oregon's win over Ohio State that they were able to pick up on the road. But Cincinnati has done everything that's been asked of them, and they still find themselves on the outside looking in. I feel for those guys that they're going to need help to make the playoff. When you look at the rest of the playoff picture, now, you may be very upset that Alabama's number two, and I get that. Trust me, I'm there as well. But here's the silver lining in all this for Alabama, is that... If Alabama loses a game or in the SEC championship to Georgia, which many people expect, they're done. They're not yeah. in the playoff. Yeah, no, you're right. This poll, as much as we talk about it, we get angry about the playoff poll and the committee is not respecting this guy or giving too much credit to this conference, yada, 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 whatever, it will all work itself out. Alabama will either be in the playoff as a one-loss team that's won the SEC and Georgia gets in as well, 
or they will eliminate themselves. Alabama essentially controls their own destiny. Where I look beyond is looking at Ohio State, okay? Now, they still play Michigan State. They still play Michigan. Can the Big Ten get two teams in? What about Oklahoma? Oklahoma is an 8-0 team that has won every week. This is their biggest win streak they've been on to start out a season since 2004, but they haven't done it with style points. Yeah. And what reeks me the most about this college football playoff poll is the emphasis on the style points of how you've looked. Bill Belichick put it best several years ago. Stats are for losers, final scores for winners. And a team like Oklahoma, okay, sure, they may not be covering the spread every week and maybe making some betters in Vegas a little upset. I get that. But who cares? They're winning football games. They won a non-conference game against Nebraska. They've gone through the Big 12 slate. They took care of business against Texas. They have done what they're supposed to do, and this team finds themselves sitting at eight. You look at that all the way down the line, too much emphasis on the eye test and not what the numbers speak for themselves, in my opinion. Right? I'm right there with you, and it's Oklahoma's the other team. It's stunning that a Big 12 team that is undefeated with some of the best college football players in the country, I mean, Cincinnati's one story, Oklahoma's another one. The fact that they're eighth is stunning, and you have two Big 10 and two SEC teams in the top five. It, it really was a, a favoritism to these major conferences, and then Oregon somehow getting in from the Pac-12 despite a loss. We talked about it this week, and I think to us it's pretty clear. It should be Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma, because all of them are That would be my top four. Different order, but yeah. those same teams. Oh, yeah, yeah, those same four teams. We have different order, but same four teams. Undefeated has to count for something. Right. I mean, and... It, Why even it, play it, the game? Exactly. Now? And it, it doesn't right now. You make the good point that Alabama's going to have to earn their way in anyway. They're going to face Georgia. They're going to face some tough competition. Same with Ohio State and Michigan State. Probably the winner of that game gets in. Right. And we'll see, how, see what happens there. And if we can pull up that graphic one more time, looking at these win-loss records here, and if we can get a full screen on this just to, so you can see what we're talking about. So... Um, Take this into account. Notre Dame, that's a one-loss team. Yeah. But their schedule's easy the rest of the way. Notre Dame's not done. They can still make the playoff. Baylor's a one-loss team. Oklahoma State's a one-loss team. Um, those guys still have a chance. You went out, you take care of business, and you're still in the discussion. So as much focus as we've made on the top eight with Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Oklahoma... This is far from over, folks. Um, Oklahoma State, here's an example for you, okay? So down the stretch, they get to play Oklahoma in Bedlam, last game of the regular season. And then they play in the Big 12 championship, probably against Oklahoma again. If Oklahoma State wins out and somehow beats Oklahoma twice, you can't leave the Pokes out of the playoff. They'll be in. Notre Dame, although maybe they haven't played a great schedule this year, Name brands matter. We've been taught this a bit too much, actually. Notre Dame wins out. It's going to be hard to leave the Irish out of the playoff as well. Ryan, as much focus as there is on the top, this thing is far from over here with a few weeks to go to figure out who those final four teams will be when Selection Sunday rolls around. And there's chances for upsets. Keeps it exciting. It's been a bizarre year for college football, and it gets even more interesting over the next couple of weeks. The one team I would write off 
on that list is Wake Forest. Wake sure. Forest is undefeated, yeah, sure. but they have played a very easy schedule at this point. Yeah. Granted, it's been a historic year for the Demon Deacons, but they have yet to be tested. They're in a very weak conference in the ACC. But other than that, the, the, the top 12 teams there, I think, all have a realistic shot, a case to be made uh, for the college football playoff when it's all said and done. Let's go ahead and move to number two on our countdown. The World Series. The Atlanta Braves are the world champions of baseball for the first time since 1995. 26 years in the making for the Braves. This team had the worst record in the regular season of any team that made the postseason. But that did not matter. Freddie Freeman has waited a long time to bring that championship trophy home to Atlanta. And he had some help along the way. Jorge Soler was the World Series MVP. He played out of his mind, and he wasn't even healthy a couple weeks ago. They get him back. The Braves just rolled through the competition and get the job done. What a story, Ryan, for the Atlanta Braves to win this title, get it done in six games, and to pull off a, a great playoff run like this that really nobody saw coming. And the guys that should be celebrating, I think, the most after all this aren't the players. The players played great. It's the front office. You mentioned Jorge Soler. He was picked up after Ronald Acuna Jr., their star young player, one of the top three or four players in the entire league, went down with a season-ending injury. I think it was back maybe in July. So they go out and they pick up a couple guys. They make some small trades. Jock Peterson, a role player for the Cubs that has World Series experience with the Jock Tober. Jock Tober, and he came up with a couple big hits. Jorge Soler with that big home run over the left field fence. It went all the way over the train tracks at, uh, I think it's Minute Maid Park, Wherever Houston plays, I'm blanking on the name. Minute Maid Park, yeah. Minute Maid Park. It goes the out. Juice box. Goes out of the stadium. He had a lot of juice in that hit because he went out of the stadium. Jorge Soler comes up there with that three-run shot. These are two guys that were picked up by the Braves midseason after a season-ending injury to their star. You don't hear that very often. Usually when your star player goes out in any sport, you can still be good if you're a great team, but you're not going to be championship-level great. The Braves were because the front office made some smart moves in a challenging time, and those players were big in the postseason. And it, and it played out great for the Braves. As you mentioned, worst record of any team in the postseason. There was a moment where the Braves didn't look like they are even going to make the playoffs this year with the Mets and the Phillies having a better record than them around the All-Star break. They turn it on at the end of the year, and the story goes in baseball. The team that's hot entering the postseason is usually a team that does well, and that was the case here for Atlanta. Well, how about the city of Atlanta, too? This is a city that saw the Atlanta Falcons come very close to winning the Super Bowl just a few years ago when they were up 28-3 in the third quarter against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, only for... Brady to lead that comeback and for them to win in overtime and steal that Super Bowl away. And the Atlanta Hawks yeah. are a team that has been more down than up. They did make it to the conference finals this year, but it was a long time coming before the Hawks were really competitive in the NBA. And the Braves, they've had their moments from time to time, but really have not been a championship contender in a minute. So for the city of Atlanta, you got to feel for them to have this championship after going through some really rough sports years uh, over the, the last decade plus. And that original crew back in the 90s, and some old-timer, old maybe even young baseball fans, it wasn't that long ago, remember the Tom Glavins, Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, that trio for the Braves, that was supposed to win multiple World Series. 
They got one. That's still pretty good, but I think a lot of Braves were left unsatisfied. It took them another 25 years and a handful of really good teams. I mean, the Braves have really been good since the mid-90s. They've been close since the mid-90s on many occasions, and finally they came through. I think everybody was hoping the Braves would get this because it felt like their time. The Red Sox, the Cubs, the Astros, the Royals, the Dodgers, all good young teams over the past decade, they got their World Series. It felt like the last team maybe left was the Braves, and they got it. So good to see that from them. Yeah, certainly so. Let's go ahead and get to number one on our countdown, and that is the news out of Green Bay today that Aaron Rodgers will not play on Sunday against Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs as he has tested positive for COVID-19. This is a game that has been building up for years. Mahomes and Rodgers were supposed to play each other a couple years ago, but Patrick Mahomes got hurt, and we saw Matt Moore end up starting that game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Then we find out the news in the offseason that Green Bay is going to return to Kansas City and everybody's on their feet saying, great, finally, we get the Mahomes-Rodgers matchup. Build up, build up, build up all season long. And then this news drops today that Rodgers has COVID. And to me, Ryan, there's two parts of this story that matter. One, not only the fact that Rodgers is out and we are going to be deprived of the matchup with Patrick Mahomes, but now on the flip side, we get to see Jordan Love. This is the guy the Packers have invested their future in. They drafted him a couple years ago to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron went on to win an MVP and has held on to his job since. But we've heard the, the rumblings, the rumors and such that he was, you know, he's, he's wanting to move on out of Green Bay and Jordan Love be the future franchise quarterback for Green Bay. To me, that's what I look at is this is not just about Aaron Rodgers. But finally, it's put up or shut up time for Jordan Love. We're finally going to see what he's all about and if he really is ready to lead the Green Bay Packers going forward or not. Well, it might be crystal ball time for the Packers, too. This could be their future after this season. Aaron Rodgers has said he wants to leave. We'll see if that's what he decides at the end of the year. This might be what the Packers are going to be facing in the next couple of seasons, a year or two under Jordan Love with him as a quarterback. So you get to see what it looks like with this young quarterback that you invested a first-round pick in. So we'll wait and see uh, how he plays. And then there is the other aspect of this. Aaron Rodgers, because he wasn't vaccinated, he says he was, I, I can't remember the exact terminology he used, but he already had COVID and he was immune. So that was what he told reporters this summer when asked, are you vaccinated? But he wasn't vaccinated. He's still not vaccinated. So because of the league's policy, he has to miss 10 days away from the team. Well, that would make, make him coming back at the earliest one day before, not this week, but the next week's game. I can't remember the, the team the Packers are playing. He could miss. He's missing one game for sure. And he's going to come back right before the Packers' next game after this. So we don't know what's the Seahawks the next Seahawks. week. That's it. Thank you. So we don't know uh, what his status will be against the Seahawks next week. This could be a two-miss thing for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have some cushion against the Vikings and Bears behind them in the division, but when we're talking playoffs and seeding, this could be critical for Right, the back. Packers are going to win the NFC North. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about that. They could lose the next two and still be in good shape when it comes to this division. But home field advantage could be lost when it's sure. all said and done based on Aaron Rodgers not playing this weekend and potentially next weekend. That could be... The difference in the Packers having home field or not is Aaron Rodgers playing in this situation. 
it's a huge break for the Kansas City Chiefs because yeah. the Chiefs are coming in with a 500 record with what's going on with the Raiders and the Chargers slipping up the last couple of weeks. The Chiefs still have a good shot to win their division and make the postseason. Now, this game against Green Bay, which they were looking like they were going to be the underdog heading into this weekend, you don't have to deal with Aaron Rodgers now. The Chiefs should win on Sunday against Green Bay. It's not a game where you are the hunter. You are now the hunted as the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. You're the home team. You're playing a young quarterback getting his first career start. The Chiefs should expect to beat Green Bay now, and that's totally different from what their approach was going into this game. And it adds to it that the Chiefs are on a short week. They play Monday night or played Monday night against the New York Giants. He only had six days instead of seven to prepare for the Packers. Big, big, big break there for Kansas City as they try to climb their way back up in the AFC West. And you're right, they've had a couple uh, big news stories break this week that play to their advantage. Uh, obviously, the Henry Ruggs story we talked about, very tragic. And this one, a tough break for the Packers. Yeah. What about Jordan Love mm. as we're wrapping up here? What's a realistic expectation for Jordan Love on Sunday? It's a good team he's facing in the Chiefs. They're better than what their record indicates. I think that what you're going to see from Matt LaFleur is a run-heavy package from this Packers offense. It's going to look different than the offense that Aaron Rodgers runs. Yeah. They're going to depend on Aaron Jones and running the football to try to open up the play-action passing game. That's what I expect to see and try to limit mistakes from Jordan Love. Do you think that is the type of performance we'll get from Jordan Love, or do you think that they're going to hand him the keys and say, Go at it, kid. No, I think the goal is no picks, no turnovers. That's what you tell Jordan Love. Don't give the Chiefs the ball. Don't turn it over. Let Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who are a really good one-two running back combination, let them take care of this game for you. You just don't make any mistakes. Let's make this a shorter game. Keep the Chiefs offense off the field and see if we can sneak one out here. That's the goal if you're the Packers, is no picks, no fumbles from your uh, young quarterback there in Jordan Love. And for the Packers, the good thing is the Chiefs have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Yeah. So they should be able to run the football effectively on this Kansas City Chiefs team. So we'll see what happens. Packers and Chiefs coming up this Sunday. Jordan Love getting his first career start for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers out this week, potentially next week as well. Ryan, before we go, any uh, final thoughts on this very busy sports day? You know, I I'm excited for the upcoming weekend. We have... We're now kind of in that next phase in the sports season. Summer done, baseball over. We put that behind us. We're truly in the heart of fall sports season with football and basketball. College hoops is starting up in just a couple of days. So everything is running neck and neck between those two sports. And, of course, the NHL and hockey is going on right now, too. So we're getting to that cold weather sports season. And I, I'm a big fan of all that. I am, too. And what I would look at, we talked about the college football playoff poll a few moments ago and talked about where the standings are kind of at in the NFL with the Raiders all the way at number two in the AFC. And you see the Packers are about to be without Aaron Rodgers for a bit. I think that the month of November in both college football and the NFL, you're going to see some big shakeups where the college football playoff rankings are at right now and where the NFL standings are at right now. When we have this conversation in four weeks, it's going to be a night and day difference. Yeah. I think we're about to see some heavy changes over the next few weeks. It's going to make for some exciting Saturday and Sundays in college football and in the National Football League. Expect 
the unexpected, folks. Halloween's past. We're in the bewitching couple of weeks, I guess you could say, for both those uh, NFL and college football. Uh, the, the real scary stuff for those leagues is coming up. Yeah.